Hello and welcome to the MGMA Insider Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Today we're joined by Greg Feltenberger, CEO at Idaho Urologic Institute and author of the book, Benchmarking Success. Greg, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Now, we're going to be talking about benchmarking today, and I wanted you first to just just define it. What do you mean by benchmarking, and why is it so important in a medical practice? Well, benchmarking, for the most part, is you know just evaluating quantitatively in most cases, but it might be qualitative uh, based on you know, patient surveys or something to that effect, but really getting some kind of an indication as to where you are uh, with respect to some metric in comparison to some other metric being being the ben- benchmark itself. Now, tell us, if we can, just take a step back then. Let's talk a little bit about your kind of career in healthcare, and then how did it evolve where you became sort of a, a guru on benchmarking to the point where you actually written books about it? <laughs> well, I don't know that I'd refer to myself as a guru because I think anyone in, uh, in the medical practice management uh, environment is probably a guru in their own right, only because there are those con- contextual factors that come into play with with every practice and the any benchmarks or metrics you might use I mean you just can't look at them in a vacuum and so you've got to be aware of the environment around you uh, you know with you know specific to your own practice or your own organization but also what's what's going on in your community and maybe if you even you know, branch that out into, you know, overlapping circles is, you know, what's going on at the federal level. And so it just kind of goes on and on. So that's all the context issues that you've got to take into into account in addition to just looking at numbers and comparing numbers. My, My background, it's kind of an interesting story, but I'll keep it brief. I was active duty military for the last 21 years and had the opportunity to uh, to work at MGMA uh, there in Englewood, Colorado for a full year uh, as, as an active duty member and worked directly for Dave Gans. And it was during that work it became fairly obvious as uh, Dave and I were working on different projects and I kept asking Dave, you know, where can I find the formula or measures or some benchmark for this or that? And it was fairly obvious uh, quickly that there wasn't a definitive source. And so, you know, to some extent it was just Google uh, it's just this was so long ago that Google wasn't nearly as robust as it is now. And so, you know, some version of a Google search, uh, looking at all kinds of different sources and kind of picking the one I liked. And so Dave and I just kind of brainstormed a little bit about, hey, you know, we uh, there might actually be a need out there for more of a definitive, just give me a book I can have on my shelf that has 
you know, 80 plus percent of all the metrics or formulas I might need if I really want to benchmark my practice. And that was kind of the initial impetus between let's write a book, Dave. Right. And I've got a copy of, it's called Benchmarking Success. Uh, I've got a copy of the second edition here in front of me. Um, you wrote it with Dave. How, what was that process like? And what was your objective, yours and Dave's, in putting this book together? Uh, so the process really was, you know, uh, and honestly, this is the only book I've written outside of my dissertation was just, uh, you know, just collecting as much information and doing a relatively extensive literature review and capturing all the different possibilities and then just discussing it with Dave as to which ones we want to have in the book because they seem to be more value added than others. And... Uh, sorry, what was the second part of the question? Oh, uh, what was basically the the purpose oh. that you guys wanted to achieve in putting this book together? We were really kind of striving toward more of a one-stop shop for any benchmarking formulas or measures. So that as a as a practicing administrator just like having a dictionary and a thesaurus on your bookshelf, you would have this book. And if, if you need a quick reference, you know, I need, I want to look at some financial, I want to do a financial analysis as an example or an operational analysis of my practice. You know, what can I pull off the shelf real quick and just, these are a list of, uh, or this is a menu of different measures that I could grab without having to go out and search all over the place via Google or whatever. And so it was really just, you know, a one-stop shop, hopefully a definitive source, you know, for a practicing administrator to have on their bookshelf uh, when, when they need it. Right. Um, I know I've asked you this already, so I'm just going to jump into this again. This is basically chapter one of your book. So I'm going to ask you about this right now. Why benchmark? Why do it? What does it help you do in a medical practice? So not re not too long ago, I think within the last 30 days, uh, Dave and I co-presented a, a webinar on benchmarking and dashboarding. And it kind of follows along uh, that same presentation as well. What we discussed and what Dave showed in the presentation was he he pulled up, as an example, some dashboards, uh, actual dashboards from a 1949 Volkswagen, just as an example, and it has a speedometer and a clock in it. And so it kind of gets to the point of if, you know, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. And, you know, if you don't know how much gas you have in your car, that, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge to manage it, in particular, manage your trip, since you could potentially run out of gas at any time. And so, you know, per chapter one, you know, why benchmark? And it really distills right down to, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. Or maybe in a more positive, if you do measure it, you can manage it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's really kind of the starting point. And then 
you know, also in chapter one, part two, which is just as important is uh, if you value it, you will change it. And so, you know, measuring it is only one piece of it. The, the second piece is really using that evidence-based data and analysis to develop buy-in with your physicians and with the other staff members in your practice so that based on that evidence, that data, you can actually make a, a positive change in your practice. And then obviously after you've made that change, you can circle back around to remeasure it to validate that it's actually doing what you expected it to do. Now, how long have you been benchmarking? Uh, well, I know, honestly, I think ever since I entered into this career 25, 26 years ago now. And uh, again, I, I, th- I think any of us who are in, in this type of position are doing some version of benchmarking. And a lot of EHRs have some fantastic reporting capabilities that make the benchmarking a lot easier than it used to be, you know, 10 or 15 years ago when, you know, when it was maybe purely a spreadsheet or maybe even hash marks on a piece of paper and we were just doing totals and averages. You mentioned that you've been benchmarking for 25 years and that's what I wanted to ask you. How has it evolved over, over that time period? Yeah, I mean, for I can really only speak to me personally. And, it, you know, back in the early 90s, there was only one computer in the entire clinic that I was associated with. And the, there really wasn't any benchmarking outside of actually using pencil and paper and hash marks. So it's, I mean, and a calculator. So it's evolved from from that kind of, along the same trajectory as just, you know, the, the uh, having computers in, in every office anymore. And of course, now that EHRs have come online and high-speed practice management and billing systems, the benchmarking's gotten a lot easier. There are a lot of tools out there to create, you know, flashier dashboards that don't require you know, to spend hours and hours of, you know, creating pivot tables in Excel and associated charts with them. So, I mean, it's a, it continues to evolve and I'm sure it will keep continuing. The only thing that does seem to be somewhat consistent is, and, I, and if you skim through the book, we've got some, some information in there about higher speed uh, statistical measures, but for the most part, and uh, again, I'm kind of speaking mostly in my own situation, but I know in talking to counterparts, it seems to be consistent that we're still mostly focused on, you know, summing up totals and performing averages or maybe medians in some cases and, and maybe the range. But outside of that, there, there really isn't, um, I don't think there's enough bandwidth for most administrators, even if they had the, the automated tools to show higher speed 
uh, statistics with p-values and those types of things. So to some extent, I'd say the same, the thing that's continued or been consistent over the last 25 to 30 years is we're still using basic math to perform our analysis. It's just the, the amount of time you have to invest in actually performing those calculations has become much less. And uh, of course, it's a little bit easier to chart those things now. So I think it's gotten easier, which has uh, allowed us to look at more measures and more metrics so we can look at things from a lot of different directions. And previously, maybe we could only look at you know five or six measures. Now maybe we can look at 50 or 60 of them and then share the ones that we think are most valuable with uh, the physicians and the staff. Right. Our listeners come from a variety of backgrounds in healthcare and medical practices. But just to cover the bases here, what are then the, the benchmarking fundamentals? If you're just going to roll up your sleeves and get started there, how should someone do that? Well, I, I, I assume it's a somewhat safe assumption that we can, uh, we all have a fairly good handle on basic math. So as long as you can add and divide, you know, you know, you can get that sum and you can get your averages. And I mean, outside of that, it's just having a good understanding of what your EHR is and how you can get data out of it. And hopefully it's already got some type of automated reporting function. And outside of that, you know, I think it's, it's reviewing books like the benchmarking success books and talking with peers and you know surfing through the MGMA website and maybe if you're depending on what your specialty is if you've got professional organizations out there that are also collecting data that uh, more than likely if they're collecting data they're also providing some formulas that you can also work with so I think you've just you've got to start just seeking out that information and you know and then taking into account again the the context of your practice what uh, what is it you're concerned about in your practice that you think you need to benchmark and and or you know do you have physicians or does your board have and I kind of in air quotes feelings that something is isn't going right or maybe something is going extremely well you know those are areas that are kind of prime for benchmarking to validate those feelings because I've kind of found over time that those feelings tend to not always be correct uh, once you start looking at the data and luckily physicians are scientists for the most part, and so if you show up with some some good data to answer their questions in advance or to validate or disprove some of those feelings, it uh, goes a long way toward you know developing that credibility and and getting buy-in. What are some of the key areas in a practice that really benefit by benchmarking it, and and really what are you benchmarking it against yourself, your past performance, your competitors, what are you looking at when you're digging into that data? Yeah, so the, uh, honestly, everything is prime, a prime target for benchmarking. I mean, we've got key performance indicators we've identified in the book, but those are 
that's not a written in stone list of key performance indicators. That's to some extent maybe practice dependent. I, uh, obviously, you know, there are financial and operational key performance indicators or measures that if you don't monitor those, your practice might not be a, around for long. But outside of that, uh, you know, every area of a practice could be benchmarked if you just dig into it. And in some cases, there may not be a benchmark that we've identified in the book and you might have to actually create one on your own. So, uh, you know, and then part two uh, to your question is, you know, it's probably from an ease standpoint, easier for the practice to benchmark among the physicians in the practice, which may or may not tell you what you're, uh, what you're looking for or if there are issues or positives. And so always best, if possible, to benchmark against something on the outside. So I, I'm, I've got, I've got a urolo large urology practice as part of my organization. And then I have an, a separate multi-specialty ambulatory surgery center on the other side. Within the urology space, it is ideally of benefit to me to, if I can get the data, benchmark against the other urology practices in the area. Fortunately, there's only one. And fortunately, they're associated with a hospital. And so some of the payers will share that type of data with me. But then outside of that, there is a professional urology association that's nationwide and specific to independent urology practices and they collect data and share it. And so I like to use that data also to compare. But even beyond that, there are some urology practices across the country that I, that I know at least from a financial standpoint are absolutely rocking it. And because I don't compete with them and they're also part of this independent urology uh, professional organization, they've shared their data with me and I share my data with them. So, I mean, those are all things that I think we could all, we can all do relatively easy. Uh, what would be, a, what's a little bit more challenging, but, and would require a little bit more digging is when you want to benchmark outside of healthcare. And, you know, again, that's going to be a little bit trickier financially the financials are going to be a little bit more challenging. Maybe an easier place is looking at the patient experience or patient surveys as a benchmark. And of course, there are all kinds of books out there. You know, if, uh, if there's the, uh, if, if Disney ran my practice or something to that effect. So, or looking at, you know, like lean uh, with Toyota, you know, digging into those completely outside of healthcare uh, industries and finding some benchmarks in that space. Uh, again, super, super helpful. Uh, there's just that added challenge with, you know, is it apples to apples, uh, you know, as far as data or benchmarks and, you know, you gotta be a little bit creative there and that would require more digging. So for me, practically, I, I focus on those areas that are just a little bit easier to, to capture the data. So MGMA data and the professional urology association data, and then other practices I'm 
just friends with my counterparts and, of course, internal data. Let's take a deeper look at that then. You mentioned one example, and that was the patient experience. So walk us through then. What does that look like when you get in and and you're benchmarking data, whether it's through the Urology Association or uh, other competitors out there? What are you looking at? And how have you been able to take that information and then make improvements in your own practice? So, I mean, there's all kinds of different sources out there. I mean, there's health grades and there's Yelp and I mean, it just kind of goes on and on and on, uh, which obviously we want to pay attention to our Facebook reviews, all of those types of things. And an adjustment I, I've made is I require myself included that on a monthly basis, each, uh, each member of the management team completely unsolicited basically just picks a patient picks five patients on a monthly basis and goes out and just sits with them for a few minutes you know assuming the patient's willing and able and we're not slowing down any appointments but just sits down with the patient and just kind of asks them general questions about you know what went well what didn't go well was there anything that uh, we could do to improve were the things that they thought were fantastic. And after that, you know, they write, collect that in a write-up, and then as a leadership team, we meet once a, once a week and discuss those things among all the other things we've got going on. And based on that feedback, and depending on what it was, there may be some metrics that kind of match up with that and might help to validate it. Uh, if there is or isn't, um, we'll discuss that and possibly implement, brain, brainstorm and implement some changes based on that. And, you know, at least for our practice, uh, part of the thought process has always been that we are a one-stop shop. And because I only have one competitor in town who is an employed group of urologists associated with the hospital it's you know the the uh the environment's a little bit different than maybe other locations and patients do have a choice and to discount the importance of patient satisfaction or the patient experience would probably in the long term be a very dangerous thing to ignore and so we put nearly equal attention on the patient experience, customer service, as we do all those other more quantitative measures. Now this month uh, in our content for MGMA, we have been focusing on, we've been focusing on strategic planning, um, looking both immediately uh, and short term and then longer term at how you can develop strategic plans in your practice. Uh, how can Give us an example of how benchmarking can help inform and make better decisions for strategic plans. 
So, I mean, I guess it depends in part what your strategic planning process. And I mean, in our case, we we try to have a strat plan Saturday session, usually every other year in the spring. And, you know, as part of that, it kind of follows a little bit in line with, with, um, I mean, benchmarking is a part of it, but it's, it's a part of it more from the standpoint of creating the foundation and the support behind whatever domains we might be focused on. And so for us, as an example, our domains were, uh, we were focused on recruitment. We were focused on greater use of our APPs, uh, increased utilization of our ambulatory surgery centers, and then optimizing our care teams. And so within each one of those, there were a few metrics to help kind of lay the foundation for you know where the where the you know to at least kind of kick off the discussion. Um, you know maybe maybe as an easy as the easiest one to share is the how do we kind of maximize and and use our APPs more efficiently and so with respect to that one, you know I could pulled up data that showed you know average monthly patient volume by our APPs and their their ENM coding profile, uh, how many, how many uh, cases in the surgery center or over at the hospital were they first assists for, and then what were some, what are some of the metrics out there to show where our PAs kind of fall in, you know, in comparison to other PAs nationwide or at high performing practices, and then all right, do we need to make an adjustment, you know, to our PA's templates, schedules? Do we need to use them more for first assists? Do we need more PA's? So that that's maybe kind of the simplest example. Okay. Now, as a final thought, I know our audience loves uh, – they love takeaways. They love something that they can walk away from a conversation We've been talking about benchmarking. What is something that they could take away from this, that they could go apply to their practice today? Uh, well, and again, I'm. this is kind of the, the world according to Greg, so this is purely my opinion, but, it, but it's worked well for me in my practice. Doesn't mean it'll work for everybody. What, what I have found has been an incredibly useful when it comes to benchmarking is when it, when it comes down to presenting that information to the board or to my physicians and to the staff and how, how that's presented and making sure that it is presented and that I'm as transparent as possible. Now I don't share actual financials so I convert any, anything financial related that is shared with the staff, I convert those into percentages. But it's getting that information out there so that your staff and the physicians have a greater understanding of all of those things that are going on in the practice and how the practice is doing and where the practice is going, how the practice stacks up 
against others and at the physician level how they compare against one another it's i've found with mine it's fairly easy for them to to say i don't really care what the average is across the country but when they see how they compare against their partners it has a very different effect and in many cases that does help to change behaviors if you know if the as an example one physician's volume is is significantly lower than the average in the practice and they can see that on a by name that uh, that it tends to really resonate with them so I guess my big takeaway is you know if you had a a board something in a in a public location not public as far as patients public but public for your staff to to easily see to include the physicians and it was and it's presented to your physicians uh, you know at your monthly board meeting that uh, you know that that just being transparent and getting that information out to everyone on a regular basis is uh, it, it's just it's invaluable to keeping that buy-in going particularly with all the changes healthcare is undergoing uh, you know change is probably the only constant and so keeping everyone informed every day all the time seems to seems to help a lot okay well, Greg, thanks so much for sharing these insights on benchmarking. I know this is going to be helpful for our audience. Great. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks again to Greg Feltenberger. For more information about Greg's book, Benchmarking Success, visit mgma.com benchmarking. If you'd like to meet Greg in person, he'll be at MGMA's annual conference October 13th through 16th in New Orleans. Registration opens Tuesday, June 11th, Go to mgma.com slash bigeasy for more information. Thanks again for being an MGMA Insider. I'm Daniel Williams. 